Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Here is the first of our March 2020 episodes, and it begins with a very long discussion from Graham McMillan and myself about the postponement of Emerald City Comic Con, our own recent health situations, and then we move on to discuss things such as Zenith by Grant Morrison and Steve Yow, Graham's reading of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, The Tempest, my reading of Strange Adventures number one, DC Universe All-Star Games, Old Jerry Conway comics, and our usual big old bag of much, much more in this almost but not quite two and a half hour episode. Comments! On this episode, are available at waitwhatpodcast.com. Send us your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com. And we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Laster! Graham McMillan! Howdy! How are you, sir? You know, that is a good question. I have to say, I, I'm, 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 uh, for lack of a better term, a bit knackered. I uh, I had my nieces come and visit. We weren't sure that that was a thing. Like, it was, I don't know, it's one of those weird deals where uh, Edie had emailed um, with her brother and was like, hey, can, do you guys want to come down? And they're like, yeah, we want to come down. We'll email you and let you know. And then we never heard anything. And so we were like, oh, okay, then this. I guess that's not happening. Right. And we had a lot of other stuff on our plate. And we're like, okay, well, that's a bummer. But, you know, it's probably for the best because we've got all this stuff to do. And yada, da, 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 da. And then at like, I don't know, 1045, they're like, okay, we're on our way down. And we were like, shit. So we ran around trying to clean things up and stuff and they showed up we and we had a wonderful time. But I mean, you know, my nieces are 10 and soon to be eight and um, our complete monsters spent hours terrorizing me. And uh, uh, I do loved every second I, of it. I got to admit, I kind of did. I kind of did. There, it was. It was some some pretty hilarious stuff. Um, I actually did give the oldest one. We we did give her uh, noisemakers. The um, the collection of uh, the, yeah the the, the kazoo uh, magazine yeah, the kazoo yeah. magazine collection of of awesome amazing women illustrated by awesome amazing women so and it was great she seemed really into it right off which was that's excellent. very exciting yes it says a lot about my nieces that i had a present for her and i had a present for the youngest one and those presents ended up essentially being a hostage exchange for something they stole from my room and hid and threatened never to give back. And I was like, well, then I'll just never give you your presents. And they were like, presents? What do you mean presents? I'm like, Meh. So a lot of negotiation, like a lot of them being like completely suspicious of me too. Like, are they really presents? Or are you just, you're going to have to show us the presents before you well, get the okay. iPads done. Here's my question. Yeah. What did they steal? What's, uh, they stole, well, Thank God I managed to grab my iPad out of their hands so they only made off with the iPad stand, which that's the great thing. They're like, ha, 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 ha. And, you know, part of me is like, I, I can hold that. But, you know, it was really more of a, oh, my God, no, no, you monsters. So they were they were very pleased that they managed to do an exchange of prisoners and 
hostage negotiation and all that stuff that kids love. You know, I mean, which kid doesn't like hostage negotiations? Indeed, right? All of them do. They're, that is that is all kids are all about. Like that that it is the hot new thing. <laughs> it is indeed, indeed. So, uh, grab we we've got we've got a lot of wacky shit to talk about. I think. I mean, I've got I some wacky I, shit. I guess. Like, here's the thing. It's been two weeks since we've we recorded a podcast. Yeah. Um. In those two weeks, as you know, I got really sick again. Yeah. And so not this week just passed, but the week before that, I pretty much didn't really exist. Mm. And that sounds like an exaggeration, but it's not really. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I was feeling slightly sick the day after we recorded the last podcast. And then that was the Sunday. And then on the Monday, I was... Like, full-blown terribly sick. Oh, God. And I was not the only one in this house full-blown terribly sick, which somehow makes it worse. Yeah. When there's multiple people who are equally, if not more so, sick. Yeah, that's, that is that's really terrible. bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And basically, of the adults in this house, at least, like, two of us were sick the entire week. Oh. Um, the seven-year-old was fine. All the way Shocking. through, huh? Yes. Wow, that's amazing. But the problem is you then have sick adults trying to take care of the seven-year-old. Right, right. Which is, uh, which is also, you know, not not optimal for multiple reasons. Yes. Uh, not only, like, because you're trying to not get him sick, but because, like, he's got to go to school. Right. right? He's got to be picked up from school. And, he, and also, like, you know, he's got to be fed. Well, see, that's it. Right. One of the things I've noticed with kids that are amazing is – they engage you and then you both kind of run out of energy, but then you have to help them replenish their energy. And in part, because they, their metabolism and everything, they tend to restore it so much faster. And then you're exhausted and they're like, come on, what's wrong with you? Come on, back to the, come on, yeah, mule. The worst things were, uh, I thought it would be like nighttime, but no, it was the morning. The worst yeah, things were in the morning because he'd wake up and he'd be like, hey! Right, exactly. Like, entertain me before school. And, you know, we were all just like, I can't even fucking open my eyes. Right, dude. exactly. It like, literally hurts like, to bless look you, but, in different you know, directions. Yeah. Um, though, I, and it was, it was, again, I don't know what the sickness was. Mm -hmm. And it's to the point now where even though I've been told by medical professionals it's not the coronavirus part of me, it's like, it was the fucking coronavirus. Yeah, it might have been. Um. But, like, you know, don't get me wrong. I've been told by people it wasn't. But at the same time, I'm now seriously suspicious I of that. I was about to say, why, uh, why would they think that? You guys ran fevers. You guys uh, had a I, flu. Here's you know. the thing. When, do you remember I got sick in January? Mm-hmm. So I got sick in January, and I I went to, to the doctor, and I was like, okay, um, I'm, I know I'm being paranoid, but I just need you to tell me it's not this coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And this was before the coronavirus was "quote unquote" officially in, in the states, right? Sure, yeah. Um, and she laughed at me, mm -hmm. like she realized she was like, "Of course it's not. Like you've not been anywhere near China." Blah 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 blah. And of course, between then and, and getting sick this time, all, everything in Seattle came out, right? Yeah, right. And they're like, "So Seattle's basically been a hub of the of this uh, virus." For for weeks, for exactly. six weeks, exactly, and it's been going around virally. Yep, and I was like, "Oh, you motherfucks!" Mm -hmm. Like shit. Um. Anyway, 
what I was going to say is like, so I, it was really bad. It, and it was, it was like fever and respiratory and, uh, Jesus. and, and, you know, everything. But the worst part was, um, on the second day, like Monday was really bad mm-hmm. and Tuesday was like significantly better. And that's the thing. Monday was the worst. And every day after that, I felt significantly better every day. Right. I didn't feel healthy, but like I was, I woke up every morning and was like, Oh, I'm much better than I was last night. Yeah. Right. Which was, which was plus, which yeah. is good. But on Tuesday I woke up and I was like, I'm feeling much better. Like I'm still sick, but I'm feeling much better. This will be great. I'm going to take care of, of the kid. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I'm feeling better. And I shit you not, I got up and I almost fell over because I was so dizzy and I didn't realize that until I got out of bed. Oh, God. <laughs> like, I've got it. And then pretty much like standing up and almost falling over in the same motion. Right, right. And I was like, oh, oh, this is a problem. But like Monday, I couldn't stay awake, Jeff. Mm. I legitimately couldn't stay awake. Yeah. I had one story I had to write for work. Mm-hmm. Had to, could not put off. And it was an easy story and in my brain i knew exactly what's right and it still took me two hours to do Ooh, that's the worst because i just could not stay awake yeah 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 just that isn't that amazing like i've never i've i've been sick like that once or twice not a lot but i've been in situations where it's like just getting to the end of a sentence is exhausting just writing yes. a fucking sentence and then you push and you're like, okay. And then you push through it. And by the end of the paragraph, you're like, I I'm beat. I got to yeah, I like, got to take done. a rest. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm genuinely done. So the, what I was going to say is, so the, the, that week was just honestly shot. Mm-hmm. Like by Friday I was better question mark. Right. Uh, you know, I still had like a really bad cough. I had such a bad cough that I almost went to the doctor just for the cough Mm -hmm. Um, because, like, there were points where I couldn't – I just couldn't breathe in because I was coughing so much. And, like, that's the scary shit, right? Yeah, right. When you are legitimately having trouble breathing. Yeah. Um, But, I, you know, I'm generally feeling better. But I have honestly pretty much all week been putting off everything to do with work that I could. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, everything that could be delayed was delayed. Mm. What I didn't realize, because A, I wasn't thinking straight, and B, like you just don't think about this, was this week almost killed me because I had pushed everything off to this week. Yes, yeah. It's not like I'm doing two weeks worth of work. Oh, God. And it just was like, what? Fuck, of course I do. I have to do this. I have to do this. Mm-hmm. And every single day, and Chloe will back this up, every single day I'd be like, okay, but this is the worst of it. Tomorrow's going to be better. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, it's got, it's got, like, I've got to have peaked. I've got to have peaked. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Other shit will happen. Because shit was just happening. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, the, the, all the Emerald City stuff. Yeah. Happened this week. Right. You know? And it was just like, that, that shit is just happening. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah, it's been, it's been a, a fucking time. So, uh first off I'm sorry to hear it 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 does sound brutal uh for what it's worth yeah I'm kind of like yeah no you you had it like cuz there was such the oh ha 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 no you're fine and and it is that thing of people are finding out that it was here um people who may remember uh just a few years ago um Edie and I went 
on a wonderful uh, vacation for my 50th birthday. We cruise, We took a cruise ship to Hawaii and back 15 days. Wonderful, slightly marred by a certain presidential election. But um, better than that, great. And Graham, that ship is the exact is same that the ship? ship. That is the ship oh, shit. that they will not let dock that is currently out at sea with you know thousands of passengers and there there are photos like of you know para rescuers like on helicopters downloading coronavirus God, testing weird and just has got to be weird it is weird it is so weird that we're like oh that's that's the pool where we watched movies. Like we watched Finding Dora right where they're like dropping their medication and the helicopter is more or less floating right over our cabin. And it, and it was, it's, I mean, part of me was, had that weird, like, oh God, we were just there because part of me is like, it was such a great, we had such a wonderful vacation. It's hard to believe that it was three years ago. Um, and also time flying because, you know, we have, we're, we just exist in a black hole hellscape, you know, kind of like the movie Event Horizon, but with, you know, presidential politics. And, um, uh, uh, but it is, it's genuinely weird. And so uh, we had heard about uh, the, so it's, it's the ship that we were on and then reading about it, finding out that the previous ship had that 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 cruise ship had come back and had let people off our first the first coronavirus death in california was somebody that was on the grand princess the same ship oh, that is quarantined shit. now really from a previous voyage they did a previous like 10 day voyage down to mexico dropped a bunch of people off went out to hawaii or whatever or no Maybe they came back from Hawaii, dropped people off, went down to Mexico. But yeah, one of those people died. They All of the people who came off of that ship, you know, not all of them have it, but uh, some of them do. And someone literally died. And they circulated throughout California. You know, they came off of that boat and they went in all directions. Like the they... They only tested the people that they most suspected of having the coronavirus, the people who, you know, were not great. They haven't tested the rest of the ship. Mm -hmm. But, like, out of the 26 people that have tested positive on the coronavirus on the boat that's off water now, six of them are passengers and 19 of them are crew members. Oh, shit. So those crew members, again, circulate among the ship with everyone. So so part of me is like, I get why everyone's like, oh, haha, yeah, no, you can't be, you know. And honestly, I do think that the coronavirus, you know, everything that they say is that the majority of people who have it, you know, it's not going to kill you, but... I think more people have it or have had it than uh, than we know. Like I was, you know, you and I were talking. I I, I think that I, I I and I'm not. This is not me saying that I have it or have right. had it because mm -hmm. I I genuinely don't think that I have. Right. And the reason I don't is I did get better so quickly, Jeff. Yeah, but so Graham, 
that that I know that, but I think that's the thing. Unless you are, yeah, I mean, unless you, you got know, an unless immune, I am elderly or, or right, or, have an or, immune yeah, compromised no, I, system. I know, right? I know. I've had this conversation with right. with more than one person. Well, remember, uh, remember when I was sick last month and it. I told you, like, I had shit that had never happened before. Like, my my breath was crackling when I breathed. I've never had that. And, like, literally, like, Edie was genuinely worried about me because I could not stop coughing. And finally, I managed to get, because I had, you know, a, a bronchial inhaler. But I've never had a bronchial attack like that. And... And again, even after it was like, okay, now I can sleep, it was literally my breath cracking with each inhalation and exhalation. And three days later, I was fine. I was literally back at work on Monday, mm-hmm. and I've basically been okay since. I've had... Right. Yeah. Yeah. So... What what I was going to say is the reason I think that there's there's much more than... than like is people think mm-hmm. is that if you look at the map of like mm-hmm. where the confirmed cases are mm-hmm. like seattle obviously has like a shit ton right a shit ton of cases california's got a shit ton as well oh yeah and according to this organ is too mm-hmm. and that just doesn't make sense to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like it just genuinely doesn't mm-hmm. that the states between two states that have like you know you know it's like you know 50 odd right. and 20 odd mm-hmm. has two yeah. Well, like that just seems unlikely, shall we say. It does. It does. It does. And so we'll see what happens because there is because the testing is in such short supply. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I exactly. Just, like, I, we, we, we may never know. Yeah. Like, we genuinely may never know. Right. The other thing that's funny is just because like because I work from home mm-hmm. and because I was feeling so shit, mm-hmm. I basically accidentally quarantined myself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, i realized like yesterday that like i really haven't gone out the house in two weeks mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know like yeah. i i i have to to like drop the kid off from school right yeah but that's it because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i was like wait, i've not like when was the last time i went out the house? like when was the last time i did something out the house right and i was like oh it's like three weeks ago mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Like for example, I, I was talking to you uh, after the last podcast, and I was like, "Hey, the Frankenstein Comics Hop is, is next week, which oh, was Jesus. last week." Wow! I like I didn't go. I didn't go. Right. Honestly, because it felt like a really bad idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, uh, you know, that's a very small enclosed space, right, with a lot of people, mm-hmm. and you know, whatever I have, mystery virus or or whatever, like. It's probably not a good idea to be interacting with all those people. You know, it's it's funny. Uh, the whatnots wouldn't know this because it all happened off air and, uh, you know, text messages and some talking. But I basically was begging Graham not to go to ECC. Um, oh, and to be fair, like that conversation was, was basically happening, as you know. Yes. Yeah, like, exactly. I think this is a bad idea. This This is... The, I mean, it really came down to. So I made the decision not to go a week ago, mm-hmm. um, and it really came down to. At that point, it was two weeks out. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I just don't believe that I'm going to be healthy enough mm-hmm. to risk it mm-hmm. by that point. Yeah, yeah. like I was feeling one hundred percent in me. 
Yeah. But I don't think I will feel 100% by then. Yep. And also, I've already had like two bouts of sickness this year. Exactly. Just March. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. It really felt like it was asking for trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember that it's like I talked to you after your hell week, after you guys were so sick. And I just was, I was like, don't go. You were really like, just don't do it. Just don't do it. Yep. Yeah. So, so. That being said, uh, the listeners who, you know, you're usually pretty up on this, you guys. But just in case you don't know, they did indeed uh, postpone Emerald City Comic Con, which is great, right? It's officially announced as postponed. It's officially announced as postponed. Yeah. Uh, they're saying they're going to hold it at some point in the summer. I am kind of doubtful. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, just because unless I'm really misreading the statement like they refunded everyone's tickets so no one would have tickets to the thing in the summer right um and it feels like it would be very short notice even if they had dates like today Mm -hmm. say actually it's happening in like you know the second weekend of june right let's get everything organized feels astonishingly short notice and to basically not even be doing that but being like we'll do it at some point in the summer and we hope everyone's going to be able to come Mm-hmm. feels i mean it, almost impossible to right, be honest right right yeah yeah, yeah. you know it, it was funny because uh, a friend of the podcast uh, miguel corti he comes out to the game developers conference gdc every year and i usually see him we'll go get yeah, dinner cancels way before emerald city yes exactly and in part because he was like yeah uh you know he's like my company doesn't want to fly us in you know in part because they don't want to put up with the two-week quarantine period for us so you know but once gdc was canceled i really was i was like no eccc don't you gotta and i mean it's i, I honestly feel the read pop took far too long to do it i think so too i think so uh, i i feel that they handled it really really badly i honestly yeah. um I, I've had, and I'm, maybe this is because my week has been really like busy work week, work wise, mm-hmm. and so like I've, I'm not really, I've been sort of scattered focus wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had real problems with social media this week, hmm. by which I mean everyone annoyed me on social media this week. Interesting. Like every, I found everyone like even more self centered than normal. Mm-hmm. For a better way of putting it, so you had a repop. Like, like this time last week, Readpop was releasing a statement that was basically like, we're going ahead, yes. everyone should enjoy it, this is going to be great, yep. and then you know, people begin to drop out. Mm-hmm. And the dropping out and the response to the dropping out, like, exhausted me. Yeah. Utterly exhausted me. Yeah. Because people are dropping out and going, well, I can't go, you know, I'm really sorry. Mm-hmm. And then you had a lot of people responding to that by going... You know, it's a hard decision, but it's a smart decision. And then everyone who was staying in seemed to, like, take offense at that. <laughs> and then there was all these people being like, fuck you for calling me stupid. Right. I'm doing this because I can't afford to, like, I'm not one of these rich people who's dropped out. Right. And it's like, you know, people have dropped out and they've lost, th- I mean, at this point, they probably haven't because it's changed. But at that point, they were literally making the decision to walk away from, like, hundreds or more dollars. Yeah, completely. Like, that they're just giving up because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they, they were like, you know what? I can't get fucking get sick. Right. 
But there was this like second wave of people being like, I can't afford to cancel. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, they're not doing it because they're rich. They're doing it because they can't. But they were like, I, like not, I, I'm not, you know, how dare you call me stupid for, for, yeah. for not being able to afford it? And it's like, that. no one's saying that. Yeah. I had like yeah. a wave of people in response to that being like, that's not what they're saying. Let's have a fight about it. And it was just <laughs> like, you fuckers. Like, <laughs> just stop. Everyone, yeah. everyone who's canceling. It's sad. Like, it genuinely is. They're losing a lot of money. They're mm-hmm. losing a lot of networking opportunities. It's it's a bad thing. Yep. Like, that's a sad thing. Everyone who still has to go, like, unless they genuinely want to go, that's also sad. Because they can't afford to cancel. They literally can't. They, they're like, that will be an impossible loss for them financially. Mm-hmm. That's also sad. Why are we literally having a fight about this? Yeah. But it was a week where like everyone seemed to want to fight about it. Oh Jesus, tell me about it. I mean, cuz that was uh, I mean, it was, also, it was also the week of like the Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday, that, yeah, which that, I just wanted to burn everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not getting into that in this podcast, but <laughs> like, it, like the, those two things, yeah. the, all the all the politics uh, on social media this week and the needless fighting over people dropping out of a convention right yeah like was utterly utterly exhausting mm-hmm. and i was just like nope set yeah. fire to the whole world that's it <laughs> <laughs> like none of you fuckers should be talking um but like repop didn't like repop they didn't cancel until friday mm-hmm. right by which point you know Seattle's under a state of emergency. Right. Seattle's government have said, and like had said like as of Tuesday maybe, maybe Monday, mm-hmm. like we don't want there to be any public gathering. Right. Repop were still saying, yeah. until the CDC's ban us, we're doing it. It was nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when they finally did announce the, that they were cancelling, like the Washington Department of Health literally replied to the tweet with like smart move you know like it was really just like fuck guys like just talk about the like the last minute because the thing that is crazy i think is there's a very good case to be made that out of all the people who are going to be losing money from eccc being canceled read pop is at the bottom of the list yes because they're yes, carrying 100%. some sort of event insurance that this is probably going to cover, you know? And so it really was, I was like, guys, yeah, it was, I I was so relieved that they did the right thing that I was not going to bitch about that, bitch at them for doing it like way too late, you know? I mean, here's the thing. South by Southwest is cancelled. Yes! South by you know I mean? fucking like, Southwest. South by Southwest is cancelled. Yeah. Like, Emerald City should have cancelled like, before. Like, Absolutely. It's not hard math. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's genuinely not. Yeah. And also, the craziest thing was, Repop cancelled the London Book Fair at the beginning of the week and still waited a week Yeah. to, to cancel uh, Emerald City, which is happening in the most heavily, like, coronavirus area city in the country. Yep. Where they have said it's been out there for six weeks probably and we have no idea how many people have it. Yep. And they still took a week to shut it down. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. It's And also just in terms of like 
my job and all that, uh-huh. I asked them on Monday for a statement. Mm. And I didn't get anything until after they cancelled on Friday. Mm. That's classy. Nothing. Yeah. Didn't even respond. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I it, it It's A, that sucks. And B, again, not surprising. Because yeah, exactly. whatever yeah. was keeping them in the, the game as long as they could, and I swear to God, it wouldn't surprise me if it was literally down to whoever was, you know, Whoever was on retainer that was supposed to read their invent insurance and more or less guarantee them that they weren't going to lose cash. Um, I was just, I genuinely was like, just fucking cancel it. Yeah. Just like, this is not hard. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But, but no, they didn't. And, and here's the thing. They still officially haven't canceled. They right. postponed. They postponed. Well, but, which is which is true. We're we're using I mean, cancellation which, which postponing is officially can like yeah. unofficially canceled. Yeah. But it's not right because right. all the exhibitors who are under contract to appear mm-hmm. are presumably still going to be under contract to appear mm, in the rescheduled one. Probably. I mean, maybe we'll see. I mean, that I, again. I think that just is. I think part of why they're dragging their feet is. I think, again, even though they're at the bottom of the list, they still had to make the same sort of decisions that other people were making, which is kind of bad. You know what I mean? It's like, is it going to be bad or worse? Like, if if we do postpone and we try to put it on again, you know, and we try to hold people contractually available, you know, like there's a, there's a lot of stuff that has to do with you know, good with goodwill all the way around. And and this is one of those situations where no matter what they did, I think they felt they were gonna They were risking the goodwill. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. So I yeah. mean, you know, again, I'm like they're they're the least of my worries, but but that's the whole fucking thing with this insane ass pandemic where people were like you know, I, I, someone that I work with, uh, basically was like, so, um, uh, let me, let me ask you, I, uh, I, uh, do you think, do you think I should, I think I should fly on a plane and go see a, a friend of mine? And I'm like, I don't know why, I mean, is there something happening with the friend? They're like, no, no, but like my other friend who works for the airline got me this pass, and and so it'd be really like super cheap and easy to go, and that's part of why I want to take this time off and have that day off. And I'm like, why don't you just wait until all this is over? And they were kind of like, well, yeah, but I, I th- this free pass expires this month, you know. And and part of me was like. But it's okay, like, and and for me, it's fine. Yeah, it's it's got to be fine, right? This you know, it's, it's just. I mean, and I know that this is funny. This is uh, this is just me once again, like skirting the line between rampant hypocrisy. Because I said to I said to Edie last week, I was like, you know what? We're we're in this house. We're trying to figure out our budget. It's all over the place. The public health situation's weird. Let's just not eat out for the month of March. And mm-hmm. she, she was like, oh, you think? Because we really enjoy our little breakfast on Saturday. And I'm like, yeah, but I mean, I'm just like, I'm not necessarily worried about you or me. But, you know, like, 
you know, what if what if we see my mom who's 75 after we get this thing? What if we see your cousin, you know, who's who's got, you know, immunologically compromised and let's just hold off. And she was like, yeah, OK. So, Graham, I got to tell you, we've eaten out three times since then. <laughs> Three fucking times. And each time in the back of my head, I'm like, Jeff, what is wrong with you? You know? And and so Didn't I... We weren't going to do this. What? Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, it's just... And so part of me is like, yeah, yeah, rubes. You know, like, I kind of get it. Like, we don't... We haven't had anything quite like this, you know, in <laughs> our lifetimes. And so it's really easy to make noises about it but it's it's really um it's it's hard to wrap your brain around look i'll i'll be in the in in the you know trademark jeff lester wait what podcast spirit of oversharing i am a guy who almost always washes his hands uh after he uses the bathroom right but it has only been in this week that I have been doing the quote unquote correct way of washing my hands, which is like literally lathering your hands for like 20 seconds and then mm -hmm. washing them off. And, you know, fortunately, I'm at facilities that I can start the water on and off with my elbow. And and for the first two or three days, it was I was like, wow, what an adventure. You know, my hands feel so sparkling clean. Wow, remember the TV show ER? I always remember watching them, you know, wash their hands without, you know, turning on the faucet. And how cool is this? And by day three, I was like, are you motherfucking kidding? I've got to do this again. This is like the, you know, I go to the bathroom 27,000 times a day. It's like I was washing my hands so much and for so long. I'm like, I'm losing hours of my life here. And it was, and I still did it. Don't get me wrong, because I was like, just keep, just, just push yeah, through. Just it. keep doing it. Just, just push keep, through keep it. Doing it. Yeah. And again, part of me was like, I was washing them before, but you know, in the you know, quick water, quick soap, quick water, quick towel, you're out of there. You know, this was was like, I was just like, Jesus, I. They must have an app for this, you know, because it really it was it just went on at a certain point. I'm like this. Maybe I'm doing it too long. How do I know this is really 20 seconds? Like maybe maybe I'm doing it for 40 seconds. Maybe I can just do it half as long. Next oh, time. Whereas for me, like I have started doing it for like a minute. Yeah. Right. No, I guess I'm just like I'm just like, fuck it. Mm -hmm. Once that I was outside, great. Yes. I had to wash my hands for a minute in the hottest water and like <laughs> greatest amount of soap I can imagine. Right. Right. Once that, I'm just blah. And the thing yeah, that's crazy that is. is the people that who are listening to us who are just like, oh, Jesus, these guys have gone round the bend. I don't think that we have. I'm not too worried about uh, I think us dying. Are you? Okay. Yeah, I, I, I do. <laughs> I genuinely think like at some point. And honestly, it's because, like I said, like I've been sick twice dude, this year. Dude, twice this. It, dude, it's uh, the start of March. You were twice sick twice in two months in two months yeah yeah no that's what i'm saying like that's what made me go around the bend yeah like that's why i know like what's that i literally looked outside i should probably wash my hands for two minutes yeah. like 
I have. I I know I've gone too far in the other direction, but I'm okay with that. Dude, you were running like a hundred and two degree fever, and and both times you were sick. You you've talked about the fact that you were pretty much hallucinating, you know, and I'm <laughs> right. No, but that's just it. That's that's the crazy thing. I was. I like both times. Mm-hmm. I was fevered and I was hallucinating. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which again. Is not normal sick, right? right? I and, and the first time, like I said, the doctor literally laughed at me when I was like, "This for the coronavirus," and she was like, "No," but uh, they also were like, "We don't know what it is, though." Yeah, like you're you're just gonna get go home and get better. So go home and get better, right? Um, but I I I I have I've I've like I've gone in the opposite direction, which is why, like honestly, canceling ECC for me was a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Like it really was. Mm-hmm. It it was a uh, I'm not going to be healthy mm-hmm. and I don't want to get sick, but also like in case I am infectious, I don't want to get anyone else sick. Right. Right. Well, and so that's it. I personally think for me that there is, there's a line between I don't want to get anyone sick and you wash your hands, you know, you're soaping your hands for like 20 to 30 seconds and you kind of start to get bored and then there's the person who doesn't want to get anyone else sick and also lost days to fever and feeling like they just almost would rather prefer to die than continue to feel as miserable as they did and being like, I'm not going through that again, you know? Because there's something to be said for, you know when you get sick and you get really sick, like the thing that's amazing about your body is how little it remembers. I mean, which I think is a good thing overall, Yes, but yes. you know, you like, you do something where like, I think about the various pains that I had. Oh, Oh, this is actually kind of a great story. Um, uh, and it, it involves comic books and chronic pain. So, uh, do, do you mind if I digress I, into no, it? Let, let's do it. Lucky, lucky listeners. So Thursday night, I went to Comics Experience for the first time in, I think, about six, I want to say six weeks, but I'm like, no, I literally had six books from the Book of the Month Club. So it was like five or six months. Wow. It was like five or six months. It was a long time. Um, And uh, it was it was great seeing Hibs. It was great seeing everyone else. Um, I brought, and of course, everyone's like, "Hooray, Jeff's coming!" And, and someone was like, "Oh God, look out for the 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 PBR, the Paps Blue Ribbon." So of course, I brought in a twelve pack of PBR. Everyone else had beers. It was great. No one is shaking hands. Like I had one dude hug me. And I think maybe I hugged one person, but literally everyone else was greeting each other with the, with the elbow tap. Elbows. Yeah. Yeah. Cause everyone, everyone was basically like, I, that classic. Thanks. Thank you, America. I can't afford to get sick. So, um, and so like I said, hadn't been there for six months. And for those people who were paying attention, you may or may not know. I, I had mentioned that when Tom King left Batman, I um, basically canceled my digital subscription, but I still had the physical subscription at Comics Experience oh, okay. that I forgot to 
So, so what was great is Hibbs is like, yeah, here's your comics and breaks out all these, like the books from the graphic novel book of the month club. And my comic book pile, I so whittled down my subscriptions that it was literally just Batman. And I was like, oh shit, I forgot to cancel. And he's like, dude, you've got like two of the most valuable comics of the year here. Like you've got, you know, punch drunks, like first and second appearance. These are $30 books that I refuse to sell to speculators. You could go online and flip these for more than your entire comic book purchase. Like you hit the bat jackpot tiger. And I was like, ah, yeah, I'm not going to do that. So, uh, so much drinking, cavorting, a lot of Batman comics, a lot of making fun of me for having a bunch of Batman comics that I was not looking forward to reading. A little bit of talking about this and that. So I get in the car. Uh, well, actually, that is wrong. So people who know may have remember or not since Edie and I have bought a house and moved where we no longer live in San Francisco. And what I have to do is I drive 14 miles to the public transit to a BART station, BART into San Francisco, go to work. Comics experience, I left work and it, it had been a hell week. So it really was uh, like as much willpower as the, you know, me, the world's least likely Green Lantern candidate could master, muster to get to comics experience, hang out, see everyone, get my books. I walk out and because it's six months of graphic novels, I'm holding like two enormous bags along with my usual work stuff. And I, I get a lift to Bart and then Bart, so the Lyft driver is one of those dudes who, because he lives in Sacramento, um, he more or less can, can't get to the BART station easily. Like he, his GPS has given him hell or he was thinking about killing me because I was bundled down with so many bags and looked uh, oblivious and a, a little drunk. Yeah. He was like, he was like, I can do this. I, I can do this. I'll cut off this old hobo's head and those first two issues of appearances of punch drunk will be mine mine i can flip them for 30 dollars a piece that's that's like 15 lift loads anyway he t- takes his time he gets me to bart i get on bart well i go down i have to wait 10 minutes for the bart train to show up the bart train shows up i get on the bart train it stops one stop short of my station and at, like in the middle on the tracks because there's some sort of delay i'm sitting there now i've had a couple of beers and what graham doesn't know and what the listeners don't know is i'm I'm not much of a drinker and part of the reason why i'm not much of a drinker is a little bit of my body generally doesn't feel good drinking like i'm one of those people that gets like way too flush i'm almost a little feverish and the other thing and this doesn't happen sometimes but i who has already mentioned that i tend to go to the bathroom like 2700 times a day that doubles uh when i drink beer because i have this world's smallest uh bladder and and my kidneys sometimes they hurt when i'm drinking right so so I'm sitting there, I'm laden down with bags. It's the, it's, I'm in, I'm, we're literally sitting on a train, like six of us. And I feel my back kind of start to hurt. And I'm like, oh God, I must have pulled my back. 
like carrying these stupid comic bags because I'm old and dumb. And and I was like, man, well, you know, this, this feels really familiar. This feels why is is it because it's the last like the last time I pulled my back? And I'm like, no, this actually feels like the time at work where I thought that I had pulled my back. And in fact, it was a kidney stone and I left right and I literally writhed in pain all the way to the hospital and they had to pump me full of drugs because I'd never hurt that much before in my life. And I'm like, I hope this doesn't start to hurt more. And we're waiting there and I'm like, ooh, I kind of have to pee. And oh, oh, the back of my kidneys. It's okay. It's probably nothing. The car, mm-hmm. the BART car starts moving again. We get to the station that I need to go, uh, get off at. And I get off there and I'm like, okay, I'll just, I'll use the scary ass public bathrooms and, and then I'll drive home. Well, the scary ass public bathrooms are locked. And because it's 10 o'clock at night, the BART guys are like nowhere to be found. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'm only 14 miles from home. I'll hop in the car. I'll drive Lord. home and I'll just oh. use the restroom. And, and yes, no. So I go up there and I'm, I'm like, Oh God, I hurt so much. And part of me is like, I should just, I should just pee in this, in this parking garage. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not a monster. I'm not an animal. And I don't know where those bark people are. And they're probably doing the rounds and I don't want to get arrested for pissing in a parking garage. So I get into my car and it, my back is hurting and I'm like, shit, please don't be a kidney stone. Now, the other thing, Graham, is Edie and I, when we lived in San Francisco, there are, um, there's hospitals all we're near San, we were near San Francisco general hospital. I was a member of Kaiser. Kaiser's a pain in the ass to get to in San Francisco but you can do it. And if you're in an ambulance, you can do it, right? One of the things that Edie and I have not figured out is we've moved down the coast. There are no hospitals nearby. Like the nearest hospital is back up in Colma, Daly City, exactly where I'm driving away from. So I'm in the car. I'm like, it'll be fine. I'll I'll just get home. I'll get to the restroom. I'll use the restroom. It'll take the pressure off my kidneys and it'll be fine. It's just kidney. Yeah, everything's going to be fine. This... All I need to do is get there and this will be great. Exactly. So, so I'm driving. It's like now 10, 15 at night. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'll just, I, I know this drive. The great thing is I drive it to and from work every day now for like three months. I can do it and do it safely while also squirming in intense discomfort slash pain. And I'll make good time. And then I got to the section where because it was 10 o'clock at night, they had shut down the portion of the highway to work on it. And literally I was in a line of 10 cars and you know, that thing where it's a two lane highway and they shut down one lane and then what they do is they make you wait and they bring yes. all the cars from one direction mm-hmm. through. They mm-hmm. were doing that. So I'm sitting there under these enormous arc lights and I am just sweating 
from pain and I am squirming in the seat and I have, I've, for whatever reason, I had a, a small bag of pretzels in the glove box and I'm, I'm gnawing through these things. I'm taking the smallest bites possible because I'm not really trying to eat something. I'm literally need something to clench my teeth on. And I'm just sitting there being like, okay, it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. And of course the back of my brain is like, but if you get home and then you have to pee and you're still in pain, you have to. Edie's going to have to drive you to the emergency room and you're going to have to wait on this on the way back. And I'm like, don't think about it. It'll be fine. I'm just sitting there. I'm listening to country Western music. I'm squirming in pain. I'm gnawing through pretzels. I look like the world's scariest junkie. I have no doubt the other people in this line. It takes forever. And finally, 15 cars drive through. Actually, it was 10 because I counted my worry was that they were going to do the nine of us and then cut me off so I'd be at first of the line and exactly. I'd have to wait another like, 10 minutes yeah I'd just be like ah, I have to get out and pee over the cliff fortunately we get through and they let us through of course because it's now one lane because they're doing construction because it's 10 30 at night because there's 12 of us we're driving at nine miles an hour so instead of the driving home this five minute section that i take at you know 35 miles an hour it is now an 18 minute 23 minute section because we are driving at nine miles an hour and i mean i literally feel as if i I am sweating blood like i just feel every part of me feels horrible i managed to get home Edie's like hey how you doing i'm like can't talk now (laughs) exactly absolutely my shit i'm really sorry yeah exactly run to the restroom take the world's longest piss and then i was like okay except it didn't feel any better so I'm like, oh, God, maybe, maybe, maybe there's something else. Now, the thing is, is that I know that when I had the kidney stone that passed at work, they did a little ultrasound and they're like, you know what? You got one more in there, but it's nowhere near the entrance and we can't tell how it seems to be small. So we're not going to do anything. So I know I have one in there. Right. And so after peeing, I'm like, She's like, how are you? I'm like, I'm okay, but um, uh, I know you don't, uh, you may have to drive me to the emergency room. And the other thing is, is we have two cars. We have my little electric commute vehicle, which only has a range of about 80 miles. And then we've got our good old reliable Prius, which holds 13 gallons of gasoline and averages, um, you know, 40 miles to the gallon. And had been 100% reliable until three weeks ago when it died on Edie when she was coming down a hill for like no reason. So we have to get rid of that car. So she has to drive my car, which she doesn't want to drive. And I'm like, and it's 1030 at night and she's had a long day. She's literally in bed doing a crossword and exhausted. She's like, how are you? I'm like, we'll know in a few minutes. Anyway, Graham, long story short, I did not have a kidney stone i after peeing literally like three more times in the course of nine minutes after i laid down the radiating pain in my back began to go away and it was just drunk guy kidneys but 
Um, the point being, what was amazing was the pain that had sent me to the hospital from work was one of the most intense pains I had ever felt in my life. Like when Edie came and saw me in the ER, she showed up before they could get to me with the drugs and she just heard me like trying involuntarily moaning and writhing and saying like, she was like, that was the worst thing. I've never, you know, cause she's seen someone I've, she cares I've ne- about. Yeah, I've never seen you like that. Exactly. So that had happened. And the amazing thing is that was less than a year ago and I'm on that BART train and I swear to God, it literally took, I spent like five minutes going like, why does this feel familiar? What does this remind me of? Like, is this when I like pulled my back lifting my niece when she was two? Like I couldn't. So anyway, so your body doesn't remember what it's like. And so part of me is like, you but got, isn't that the best thing? I agree. Like, isn't the best thing no. that you don't remember? Oh, I, I totally, considering that pain, on the one hand, yes. On the other hand, part of me is like the fact that you had crazy hallucinatory fevers twice in two months is part of why I think you are very smartly, frankly, washing your hands every time you just even look at a window. But... As you, because the body doesn't remember, four months from now, you'll be like, yeah, that's not a deal. I remember being kind of crazy, you know, but like you'll be in a situation because we all will because we're human beings. We'll be in a situation where just a lick of common sense and we will not do it because our bodies will have completely forgotten what we went through. Whereas, like, right now, you're like, I'm never having that feeling again. I'm going to avoid yeah, yeah, that yeah. forever. And by ever, no, it's going to be... But the thing is, like, that's already happened, right? Right. Because I genuinely think if I'd been feeling a little bit better, I would have been like, I could probably handle ECC. Right. Right. No, I know. Because I, I honestly, it came down to the, I'm not properly healthy yet. Mm-hmm. But if I had been, right, I probably would have been like, you know what? I think I can handle it. Yeah. yeah, I remember you being like, I'm pretty sure we're not going. And I was like, pretty sure. <laughs> How can you even be? But I know, of course, you had all this other stuff going on. But at the same time, I was like, God, please don't. Please don't. Don't do this. Whereas, it all worked out. They canceled the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> they did. They did. Graham, this was 54 minutes of us talking about disease and pain. Um, I I feel like it's... I, 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 think, I think that's very us, first of all. Yes. A, a very on brand. And B, I, I kind of feel like this is a really good segue to talk about DC's All-Star Games, uh, The Breakfast <laughs> League, Episode 1. Um, be- okay. Here's what I have to say about that. Why did you watch it? You know why, Graham? I'll tell you why. Because you made me. No, I no, I did not. No, I didn't tell you to watch All-Star Games at all. Don't you put this on me. No, you didn't say anything about it. But I knew, I knew that either A, you were going to watch it, or B... Oh. Wait, did you not watch it? 
No. Oh, you son of a bitch. Oh my god. We were doing a role playing game from the 1980s. Why? Why would I do that? With Freddie Prince Jr. and Sam Whitmer. And. Who's Sam Whitmer? See, don't you make me think that I'm getting them mixed up, although to be honest i probably would get them mixed up but still no i didn't i i didn't say anything about it i i had literally no desire to watch it anyway i watched it because of you and (laughs) i have to say i i only i only have watched the first episode because the second episode got posted last night and honestly graham i don't i don't think i can go back i don't think i can go back now, for people who don't know what I'm talking about, you are blessed. You are blessed beyond all reckoning. But I'm going to share my misery with you because Graham made me watch this. DC Universe has their first original unscripted gaming miniseries, which brings... <laughs> Wait, no. Are they actually calling it a miniseries? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like it could go on forever. But I love the idea that they're trying to make an event by calling it a miniseries. Yeah, because this is the first five-episode season. Or wait, or do they set the stage for the first-episode season? All right, I'm reading the description from the DC Universe details page. Presenting DCU's first original unscripted gaming miniseries, DC Universe All-Star Games. This new anthology season brings famous, that should be in quotes, DC fans together to play a variety of games in the popular gaming show genre. Season one features a nostalgic role-playing adventure, The Breakfast League, from executive producers Freddie Prinze Jr. and Sam Witwer. DC Heroes, the famous post-crisis role-playing game, what I love is because Crisis is not capitalized on that one, sets the stage for the first five-episode season in which Vanessa Marshall, Claire Grant, and WWE superstar Xavier Woods also join as players. Set in the same 80s era as when the game was first published, the five participants role-play as a group of high schoolers stuck in Saturday detention. What? As they... Imp- I see, I didn't even know that. Yeah. As they improv their way through a variety of situations familiar to fans of beloved movies from that time period, they soon discover their destinies as the world's greatest heroes. Now, the sad part is there, I did There are multiple levels of, of what the fuck in there. Oh, yeah, Graham. And I watched it all in that first half hour. I almost... It was almost as painful as the story that I just recounted to you. <laughs> Now, it's quite possible because I'm not I'm not one of those people who who listen to Critical Role, which a lot of people love. I know there are people who are into really into they're right. There is a gaming there's a RPG gaming genre and there's even stuff where you watch people play. And bless his heart, Freddie Prince Jr. is game. They're all sort of game. Sam Whitwer is too game. Watching that man basically set everyone up into the breakfast club and play his way through, oh, Graham, it's just like, if you want to feel like that the DC unscripted reality show auditions that we saw, 
You remember that, right? If yes. you if you want to feel like that had the budget of HBO's Westworld, you should really watch this by comparison because it is five people in a room with lights uh and like unnecessary props and every once in a while I think because the people involved are as uncomfortable with Sam Witwer's acting as we are, they will cut to stock footage of like when he has a scene with the principal, like telling them stuff, like suddenly it cuts to the world's cheapest stock footage from the, I want to say the eighties, but it literally looks like someone they found stock footage of a John Lennon imitator from 1971 wearing a plaid suit from 1977, supposedly being a principal from this period in the 80s. Graham, it, why did you make me watch this is what I'm trying I, to say. I, I, I could only apologize, firstly. Uh, secondly, why do I – why does like – Fantasy me always make you do terrible things. I don't understand like, this, Graham. I don't understand. I, I feel like there has to be some sort of study done about this. Uh, thirdly, <laughs> that sounds genuinely shockingly bad. It's, I mean, it's kind impressively so. It's kind of not good. I sort of wanted to see if anyone had anything else to say on it because DC Universe does have community forums, but I kind of felt bad like it's literally like kicking a a dog that is sick when it's down admittedly it tried to it literally did bite you on the arm but i like you don't it just doesn't feel right but it was painful i sat there just you know when you sit and you watch a tv show and you're just embarrassed and you're not sure if you're embarrassed for everyone involved in what you're you're watching you're like oh oh, this is this is not a this no I wish this had never happened. Yeah, I really, yeah. I really, really, I really, that was an amazing thing. And of course, the I, fact, I'll be honest, Jeff. Yeah. I, not only did I not watch it, not only <laughs> did I actually not tell you to watch it, uh, not only would I never have told you to watch it, but the reason for that was literally Sam Whitworth's uh, involvement. I can't explain it, genuinely can't. But having seen him in interviews about his own, like, fanboy nature. Mm-hmm. There's something about his eagerness and commitment that I should feel charming. Mm-hmm. I should feel is, is like, you know, good for him. He's, he's like, being authentically himself. Right. But instead, I'm just like, please don't do this on camera. Yes. Yes. Please. That. Oh my God. Okay. Please, so you please, ha- please just just like be what into whatever you're into, but please don't feel the need to show the rest of the world. Yes. And does does that make me a bad fan? Maybe it does. I know. Maybe I'm a terrible human being. Right. But there's something about it that I'm always like, I'm so excited for you, but I don't need to see this. It's weird. It is weird because. You have nailed what it feels like to watch that episode then. Like I am – I'm like 
It's okay if you watched it, Graham. I, I'm already blaming you for making me watch it. It's okay if you watched it too. Because that literally is exactly like what it's watching. And the weird part is because he's the GM and other people are supposed to be role-playing their own parts and interacting with them. And of course, it's literally, they're actors and improv people. So so they're acting and they're improving and they're sort of in character, sort of not. Like, wherever Freddie Prinze Jr. is going with his role and how much of that is the role and how much of it is him, because who knows, we haven't seen him in such a long time. I was just like, uh, I'm, uh, and then Sam Witwer just goes. Like, he has long acting speeches and monologues and things that he's conveying to set the scene. And I just, I just literally, I, it ironic again, because of the first hour of what we were talking about, I prayed to God for death to take me, Graham. So I'm, I'm, it doesn't imagine matter what you'd you tell be watching me that now, when you were watch it. Yeah, if when I, imagine, if I was if sick, you, yeah. Like when all that was happening, oh, you God. really would have been like, listen, if this is the end, it can only be a plus. Right, exactly. It would only death's kiss would only be a blessing. Plus, even after, because I'm trying to think if I was high that night. Because I remember afterwards being like, "Did I dream that?" Like literally, I had to go back and double check to make sure that I had literally had watched that. Because it, if you had told me that I blacked out and then just like had a horrible nightmare about it it would have been about the same it would have been about the same so two thumbs up from graham and myself for dc universe the all-star games the first mini season event once again i would like to point out that i did not watch this i have no desire to watch (laughs) this and i 100% do not recommend anyone else watches this yes i just want to put that back out there okay i appreciate that i appreciate that so uh graham mcmillan we this is the first time that we you know talked podcasting wise in a couple of weeks and of course previous wait was last one a drock or was it a no the last one the last one was uh tandadio was out at dc oh shit right what an episode that was yeah that's a week ago and who now is even thinking about that right well yeah no you're right you're right probably not i mean it's it's occurred to I mean, me a couple wrong. of times. Yeah. Probably everyone in DC is Yo. thinking about that. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no. I, I feel like it's something that dominated for for like a day. Mm-hmm. And then almost by Monday, people are like, I'm moving on. Well, Do-do-do. maybe because it happened on a Friday, there was a lot of intense yakety yak on it. And yeah, by the time the few Monday pieces rolled out, there was a little bit of everyone was like, yeah, okay, sure, I've been there. So... But more importantly, I, I feel like, well, if you want to talk about comics news, you can. But part of me is also like, Graham McMillan, comics? Have you been able to read them in between the nightmare? I have. Yeah? I okay. have. I have reread a bunch of stuff. I reread all of Zenith this week. Really? Yeah. Uh, it's very enjoyable. It's very much a like early Grant Morrison work for a red way of putting it. Right. I 100% either not realized or forgotten quite how much of Final Crisis is in Zenith Phase 3. Oh, really? Wow. I think there's a lot, like a lot of crossover there. Hmm. I, I lots of crossover there. Um, but also, I'd forgotten how 
simultaneously perfunctory and wonderfully economical the last series of zenith is mm. uh morrison i think is, is on record saying basically like he didn't care at that point right like he he had uh american comics you know like he they were they were more interesting to him because mm-hmm. Zenith Phase Four, I want to say, is done at the same time as like he's finishing up Doom Patrol, mm. right? And and Zenith Phase Four. I mean, you've read Zenith, right? I I read Volume One and loved it, and then uh, and I, didn't move on to okay, the, anything so, else. So yeah, Volume One, the first series of Zenith is the introduction, obviously, but it it's Zenith versus Masterman, who is this Nazi superhuman. And it's revealed that the superhumans are basically, or the the Nazi superhuman at least, is basically um, a Lovecraftian like uber creature from mm. multiple dimensions that is that is possessing this this cloned body. Mm. Uh, the second series of Zenith is the backstory of what happens to Zenith's parents. Zenith in the in the mythology of the strip is the son of the first uh, British superheroes after World War Two. There were experiments done by scientists in the 60s, and they came up with this team of superheroes called Cloud Nine. And something happened to Cloud Nine. Mm-hmm. And there, it's it's purposefully left both vague and contradictory. So, for example, the official story is they were all rendered sterile by the experiments to get the superpowers. But Zenith exists, so mm-hmm. we know that's not true. Right. Right, we know that characters have disappeared, but we've already seen some reappear. We've were told that all of them lost their powers, but the all the ones who are remaining all have their powers. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of this, and so the second series is what happens to the parents, basically, like mm-hmm. where they are, um, and the third series is essentially Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, but it's Crisis on Infinite Earths for British comic characters. Hmm. So you get like the Steel Claw and Archie, and and these characters come back, and and the deal is that um, the Lovecraftian creatures, who are called the Loigor, mm-hmm. uh, are have been possessing superheroes on different Earths, and their plan is to basically smoosh all the multiverse together and and create a reality that they they rule. Mm. Um, and there are bits in there where you talk to the superheroes who are possessed by the the these like you know evil gods, um, and it is very dark side in the, the, the apocalypse uh, the apocalypse mm-hmm. characters possessing uh, the like Mary Marvel and characters right you know like there's a lot of crossover there, um, but it it seems to end the story right because. Mm-hmm. Volume one introduces like oh there's this Lovecraftian creatures and then volume three is like and we've dealt with them. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to spoil or not what volume four is? Because again, these comics are thirty years old, Jeff. Sure, sure, go for you it. Know? Yeah, no, and I had opportunities to read them. Yeah, let's go. So volume four basically goes. Uh, so Cloud Nine are back by this point, and Zenith is still around, and. Right. It starts off by just being like, Cloud9 seem a bit suspicious, don't they? And then they go, oh, yeah, that's because we're the Logger. <laughs> like, the Logger exists outside of time, but it's us. We are we evolve into them. Mm. And so we are we are going to kill everyone now because that's what we have to do. Mm. And they kill everyone. <laughs> wow. Um and and there there's a there's a, a last minute plot twist, which is they haven't. 
Mm-hmm. Like they think they've killed everyone, but it's not real. They've mm-hmm. killed everyone essentially a pocket universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can tell that Morrison is like does not care anymore because <laughs> like he kills everyone, and this happens really, you know, really quickly. Mm-hmm. Just kind of dashed it, it off. Start, so, and but sort of like between episodes, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. But why? Right. Mm-hmm. Um. And I remember reading at the time and being like really disappointed and being like, what? What the fuck is happening? But you read it now and you're like, actually, it's kind of great. <laughs> because it is so like undercutting things. Mm. You know? Because mm. Morrison is just like, what the fuck? Sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. Fine. Like, I've got to kill off so-and-so. I've got to kill off so-and-so. So I literally just do it. And because he doesn't care, there is this wonderful lack of melodrama to it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Where people just die. Right. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I guess they're dead then. Wow. You know? Um and, and the the you know, the big reveal is downplayed massively, which is the 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 elder god, whatever, that was the Nazi in the first series mm-hmm. that you like almost killed Zenith is Zenith's son. Oh nice. Right? And they, they, they like all this comes out. But again, it's all completely underplayed. Right. <laughs> So much so that even the final reveal that it's a pocket universe is underplayed. Good God. So you could actually be like, I remember when I was reading it first, actually being confused what the timeline was. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, so are they dead? Are they not? Like, what? <laughs> what is actually happening in this comic? Right. But again, rereading, I was like, oh, this is, this is kind of fucking great. Like, mm-hmm. I. I, I I really enjoy this. Um, like the third series is still very much my favorite mm-hmm. because it is Morrison coming into his own as a writer. Like he he sort of drops because the first series I think is very full of like I've read Miracle Man. Oh, the first like, series very much yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the second series to an extent is as well. It's 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 more a reaction to Miracle Man if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it's Morrison being like, oh, what if I had a few more jokes? Right, but the third series feels very Morrison esque, like yeah. actually properly Morrison. Hmm. And between that and Steve Yule's just fucking amazing art, mm-hmm. it's 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 a wonderful, wonderful superhero comic. Uh, but the fourth series really does have this fun of Morrison being like, "Fine, it's the end of the fucking world, but I'm going to do it in like twelve episodes." Wow, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just going to get it done as quickly as fucking possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there there is a, a thrill to that now, which is really interesting. Nice. Uh, talking about Moore, I read the um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Tempest. Yes. Not only is there a Seven Soldiers thing, but, like, doesn't Grant Morrison appear as a character in this comic? <laughs> Does he? Well, I wouldn't surprise me, but where the, the and how? The character who wears the glasses, the, the, like, computer simulation character? Oh, yeah. That's Morrison, isn't uh, it? Uh, it might be, but you're right. Oh, shit. I was like... What does this remind me of? And it's so funny because in the back of my brain, I was like, oh, yeah, it kind of reminds me of that uh, John Lennon head from the first issue of The Invisibles. But that's probably just me. But I think I kind of see. So the problem with that is, is I naturally assumed it was another British character culture reference that I didn't get. I mean, maybe it is, but I honestly was reading it and going like, but this is Morrison. Wow. Like, this is literally just Grant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Wow. 
Well, I'm trying to think. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. No, but – But that, that was definitely I, – I mean, bear in mind, I went into this comic because of what you said last time. Right. So I was looking for the Morrison, if well, that makes sense. Well, and there he is right there. But the Seven Soldiers thing too, right? So that's yeah. – okay. Yeah. So, wow, how crazy and how weird. What did you think of it? Did it – because I think uh, I told you it, it doesn't – it's not quite like the other League books, so I was curious. It's not if that quite like be. the other League books. It thankfully isn't as snide as Century. Mm-hmm. Oh, because Century, I think, has a. I think Century genuinely does come across as like, um, like misanthropic old man. Mm-hmm. In a way that, honestly, the rest don't, and this doesn't. Thankfully, mm-hmm. no. Um, there does seem a very pain quality mm-hmm. to the, the self-referential jokes. Mm-hmm. It feels very much like Moore's, uh, not Morrison, Moore is trying to get in there first because he is expecting criticism, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it doesn't feel funny, but also it doesn't feel like confident or 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 like assured. Mm. It feels fragile, mm. mm-hmm. um, which kind of makes sense. Not in the sense of like, oh, you know, that's fucking Alan Moore. He's so touchy. But I mean, he is. But <laughs> more in the sense of I, I think Moore is very conscious in this of it being like, quote unquote, his final word. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something to Moore that like he he has to – be seen to be having a laugh with the final word. Mm, mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Like he, he, he wouldn't like there, there's, and I, I don't know if it is ego mm-hmm. that like, he can't, uh, give in to like the pretension or he can't be like, leave himself open to criticism. Mm-hmm. But there's, it felt, it felt very much like he was like, I'm getting in there first. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I see. I got it. See, you can't say it. I've said it, mm. and it's like uh, okay. But again, I don't know how much of that is me reading into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fine. It was exhausting. It, it's it is pretty. It is pretty. I mean, I I was exhausted by it, but of course in a more positive way. But there was just a lot of like, it just at a certain point I was like, God, this is. Um, and, and and honestly, like it needed an editor mm-hmm. really badly, mm-hmm. and 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 that's been true. Honestly, I think of all the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen books after the first series, mm. um, but like this one really drastically did. Hmm. Um, the seven stars sections, right? There's far too much of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it doesn't like it. It makes its point in that first go around, and then comes back all, like in each issue. Right? No, exactly. And it's like okay, and it's we, like okay, but you're like you're you've yeah. you've gone beyond running the joke into the ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. No, it and and especially I kind of had that moment of like maybe I'm not reading it right, but because you know it runs six issues sort of in like. The story ends. Uh, the 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 league story ends, and then you've got the end of the Seven Stars story, 
which I was like, oh, okay, and that's where there's going to be, I guess, the, you know, I was thinking is going to be the embedded twist that makes yeah, you yeah, realize. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, 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 then there's the payoff. Yes. And, and it really did just kind of feel a little bit like, um, more being like, well, and I'm going to tie off this knot. Like, by the time you get to the end of it, everything that you know at the end of that comic is everything that the everyone has revealed to you in the front pieces of yes. the league comic. And I'm yes. like, that's not the way it's supposed to work. What am I? Yeah, like, 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 why am I? Why is this still here? Why am I still reading? And then you get like the epilogue to that, where it's Moore and and, and Kevin O'Neill mm-hmm. like walking through their their you know everything, right. and that just felt like is astonishingly self indulgent. Mm-hmm. And again, very much of this like we'll make fun of ourselves first. Mm-hmm. You can't doesn't count. Criticism doesn't count. If I point it out, <laughs> and it's. I, you know, it's I like, do have to say that is both uh, astute and yet really uh, ungenerous. Like, I, you know, but, I, but if like, but it feels ungenerous. You know what I mean? Like, there's something about the way in which they are "quote unquote" poking fun at themselves mm-hmm. that feels shockingly fragile. Sure, but I can. Th- there's like at least three other reasons for that. Not least of which is I think that Moore is not young. He's near the end of his career. And for me, I think I mean it is the end of his career. Well, it's the end of his comics career. I mean, but it probably very well despite what I think he thinks, it is probably very close to the end of his career. And frankly, I think, you know, there what there was that thing going around out remember who said it i think it was maybe norman mailer or something talked about how writers are like athletes or thoroughbreds like you don't most of them don't get better as they age they peak Mm -hmm. when they're young and then there's a decline of their powers like for for me thomas pynchon who i think is the most astonishingly great uh, American author, uh, you know, after I put down Gravity's Rainbow, but even leading right up to all of that stuff, like he continues to to put out stuff. I remember reading Bleeding Edge, which came out years ago, and it's literally pinching not only writing about New York pre and post 9-11, he also has a long weird discussion, discussion about Metal Gear Solid 2 Hideo Kojima's amazingly astute like video game deconstruction, and I'm like, this is going to be great, and it wasn't because Pynchon is just old, you know. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, you'll get a paragraph that is lean, but a lot of it, you know, so often happens, people end up becoming imitations of themselves, and sure. so for me, Moore's the fragility that I see and sense there to me is just the old man's fragility of he's made this joke before he's probably made it better. It wasn't maybe that great a joke in the first place, Mm -hmm. but because he's near the top of his powers, it, 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 it lands differently. It's just, it's just one other thing. But I mean, I know you're but, not but especially. That, yeah, I like I I see what you're saying, but I don't see if that is any. I feel that's all beside 
the point of what I'm saying. I don't think any of that explains away or or softens the idea that he is he is self consciously like saying it in for the for for one of a better way of putting it, the wrong reasons. Which is to deflect criticism. Well, no, no, no. Okay, but what, what I'm saying is, is that I'm saying that thing is there. You're saying it's there to deflect criticism. I would say that for myself, Moore has always had that trait. Like to mm-hmm. me, talking about playing himself up as a ego monomaniacal oh, sure. yeah, shit yeah. in like, It goes all the way, yeah. Right. Oh, even before that, it goes all the way back to like the stuff he was writing for Mighty Worlds of Marvel. Right. Right. Yeah. You know. So I mean, to me, part of me is like, but you know, but I also think of that as, and apologetically so, but it's it's part of Moore's character that I think is very British. You know that mm-hmm. that the classic British self-deprecating, like oh. But, but I- think i think what he's doing i think the way that he, he's making fun of himself in in tempest is not that mm-hmm. i think it is something more i think it is less to do with the humility mm-hmm. which is what i think the other the other ones are they are um they're expressions of humility through uh through the very opposite of humility Mm-hmm. Right, it's all like, well, of course I'm the greatest, and taken to such degrees that it's it's obvious, like the 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 expression of boastfulness, the expression of of ego, is so grandiose mm-hmm. as to become ridiculous, mm-hmm. which un- ultimately underscores the humility. And I think that what is happening in Tempest is a Maybe maybe he thinks he's doing the same thing, but is very much not the same thing. And why is that? I mean, why do you think that? Other than because because the the jokes are not the same joke. Mm-hmm. There is a um, I am the greatest. Mm-hmm. I am so the greatest. I am the the, the most greatest. Like I am so great that I'm most like I'm I'm the most humble blah 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 right mm-hmm. and there is what he's doing at the end of Tempest or all, actually all the way through Tempest like in the letters pages and everything mm-hmm. which lacks the <laughs> humble aspect lacks the but also lacks the idea of actually going so far with the ego. That it becomes ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Instead, it is just an expression of ego, and the idea that like an expression of ego at all is inherently funny, mm-hmm. and I don't think it is. Mm. You know, and I think I, again, I may be wrong, but I think that when you don't take it to such a hyperbolic level, mm-hmm. then it's a different joke, or mm-hmm. sometimes not a joke. Mm-hmm. Right, like it, it's it feels like it's a different thing, and it feels like, especially in Tempest, where it he lampshades flaws of his own writing. Mm-hmm. There is not the um, I, I I'm trying to think of the right way of saying this. There is not the 
self-awareness that such criticism actually can be valid. Hmm. That allows it to be funny. Hmm. Uh, interesting. You could, you could disagree. I, I well, I, I have bad oh. news. I think I do, but yeah. I can't. I I can't see any. I can't see necessarily any way out of it because I'll take your word for it. I'll probably have to revisit it. It seems uh, like. The fact that you honestly have better points at hand or a better explanation is like, okay, I'm like, you know, but my gut instinct is like, "Mm." so I don't know that, that, that I, 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 I do disagree. I'm not, I think, but I'm not especially going to make a point to rebut you because I think that I, I respect what you have to say. And my initial gut inst- – all I have, weirdly, for a change is the initial gut instinct of that doesn't feel right to me. But so – Yeah, and, and, and yeah. that's like – Sure. But I could – yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, I'm glad you read it. It's interesting. It's interesting that you um... – I also don't pull uh, to read as well. Oh, and what did you think of that? That's amazing. No, I haven't read it. I literally oh, okay. got it from life. Oh, okay, fabulous. Well, I'll be curious I to just see that. that. I am reading what you recommend. Jeremy. I know. I, I... I'm shocked. I'm pleased. I'm I'm delighted. I read uh, because you made me. Um, I have been... God, this is going to be something like I didn't even mention. Uh, yeah, Gramp, don't you remember last time when you were like, hey, Jeff, you know, did you notice that... Um, that... Uh, uh, Justice League of America, The Wedding of the Atom, and Gene Loring is is on Hoopla. You should read that. And I was like, okay, Graham, if you think I should. And you're like, yes, you should. You know, one of these days, someone's going to invent a technology where you can do the podcast with the you that you imagine I am. Anyway, Graham, I have to say, not unlike DC All-Stars, you really led me wrong on this one. (laughs) That's me. I'm just a dick. (laughs) No, no, just a little little misinformed. I'm shocked. So you haven't read that because I'm like, it's Jerry Conway stepping in. I am sure I have like in individual issues. Oh, okay. You know, like I have read at this point, I think every issue of the uh, original Justice League of America. Right. So, right. yeah, I, if it's, I, I'm sure I have. Well, the weird part is I haven't gotten to the Justice League of America issues. The yeah, first so doesn't that, doesn't that have like some like Super Team Family or something? Yes, in it? it's the Super Team Family crossover issues where the Adam tries to hunt down Gene Loring and teams up with a different pair or individual superhero every month, and Jerry Conway and his artists show an impressive misunderstanding of how science works in every issue. It's great. I mean, that seems fair. It's an atom story. You know, I have to say one of the greatest things about the atom is, well, there's two things. First off, did you know there's, there was a real Ray Palmer? Uh, yeah. I think like someone Gardner Fox, no Gardner Fox, Julie Schwartz. Yeah. It, it, he was a science fiction editor back in like the forties and fifties. Ray Palmer Weirdly enough, because he had a childhood disease uh, that uh, stunted his growth, he was only four foot high. And that, uh, everything about that is amazing. 
Yes, isn't it? And I kind of had that weird thing of like, huh, I I hope he feels less ambivalent about this tribute to him than I do upon reading his Wikipedia <laughs> like, page. I, I hope he liked that. Yeah, exactly. The other thing that I think is great is I tried to realize, I, I think I realized the secret of Ray Palmer, the Silver Age Adam, that why people uh, seem to like him, uh, people loved writing about him, was because he was 180 pounds, which I think seems to be the most amazing part about him because it's mentioned in every issue of this. And not just 180 pounds, he's a full 180 pounds. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. like, yeah, he's not like a half-assed 180 No, no, it's not an empty 180 pounds because he'll shift his weight and they always talk about how he shifts his weight and mass so that he's now his full 180 pounds. And I was like... Do they also talk about repeatedly that the Atom is only in costume once he shrinks and he can't be in costume in full size? Uh, That's one of my favorite random... What is the purpose of this fact about the atom? You know, what's interesting is they don't mention it or I glossed over it, but Jerry Conway actually makes it a plot point because the atom is trapped and um, in order to escape, he has he literally peels off his costume painfully because he's being crushed by having his mass manipulated and he can't touch his controls so he peels off his outfit and returns to normal size and mass and then he's able to free wonder woman who then proceeds to kick everyone's ass and i think he manages to he becomes the atom again anyway these are they're not they're they're really not great comics but it's really interesting because i'm like oh this is kind of hovering near that sort of weird there's a fondness that you have for Jerry Conway's DC work that uh, that kind of relies on the fact that it's shit, and yeah. I'm I'm I, that's that's too cruel. But no, there's, no, no, not, no, not no, based no, on this. No, but the, no, I the know fact what you're that, saying. Like, the yeah. fondness relies yes, on it being shit. Exactly, it's, it's, it's too cruel. Yeah. Um, but there's something about, especially when he's doing uh, Justice League with like Dick Dillon. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. There's something about the kind of half-assed nature of Conway scripts mm -hmm. and the kind of static, like, quasi-comatose artwork that he was often saddled with. He often was, in, like, wasn't the, he? In, like, yeah. the early to, to mid-70s Yeah, at, at DC. Um, there, it, it's a really weird but very specific comic that comes from that. Yeah. That, that like I really do have a fondness for, but part of the fondness is that they are comics that you can't genuinely say are good. No, right, absolutely not, absolutely not. Yeah, no, I think I think the thing that is interesting that that I and maybe I'm I'm off base here, but I think part of how that works is kind of because it's shit. The things that are it's that weird the things that you realize that are thoughtful or that he did put thought into or the parts that he he is genuinely excited by somehow manage to stand out without being um 
uh, showy, I guess. They just stand out because it's kind of like, oh, you it's you can tell he put some thought into this because mm-hmm. this sure didn't have any thought put into it. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. And so yeah. it's not yeah, like it, it literally it literally stands out because everything surrounding it is mm-hmm. is so like lifeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just you know. Yeah, just kind of kind of lifeless, kind of wrong. Like it's very interesting how much they, you know, cuz there's an introduction uh, to the volume which is kind of odd for a variety of reasons. Considering they're reprinting this and they reprint the Super Team Family stuff, but they don't print the issue before it and they don't print the Secret Society of Supervillains crossover issues despite having the issues in Super Team Family where the Secret Society of Supervillains show up. So Robert Greenberger writes an introduction, which, again, the most interesting and somehow poignant part of it was the little colophon about Robert Greenberger's career at the end of it, um, summarizing all this stuff because it doesn't all end up in the book. And... Um, but he even talks to, he has quotes from Conway about Conway wanting to write the Adam and always being a fan and wanting to do this connected story and have it be a thing that would be. And so it's kind of, it's, it's interesting having, reading that and being like, oh, he's into this character and then having a lot of, um, I guess the thing, the other thing that I think is really interesting to me is, is that Conway is a fan of DC Comics, but as someone who was raised in the Marvel style, he he wants to tell stories that are simultaneously like DC that are DC Comics, but have certain degrees of Marvel quote insight or characterization mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to them with and. But be, but because they're DC, he kind of he'll twist it or craft it. Like the the first issue is Adam. Is it Adam Hawkman in the Flash? Um, the story. Oh no, it's uh, Adam Flash and Supergirl. And the Flash is a weird dick to Ray Palmer. Like a weird dick, where he's kind of like, oh, it's okay. You're not a real scientist. You know, and Ray Palmer's like, what? He's like, yeah, you're just, you're, you're theoretical. I'm actually in the field. And, and it was interesting because they both basically walk away being like, that guy's a shit, you know? And it was weird because A, it doesn't really pay off or go anywhere. Like they work together and then the flash is gone at the end of that issue. But it's a little bit of the, you know, kind of that Marvel thing of like, oh yeah, these characters... They're not going to be buddy-buddy. They're not going to get along. Why? Because uh, one of them shaves their pubes and one of them doesn't, you know? And it's a, it's a strange way to go about it while, again, still reverentially talking about the 180, the full 180 pounds. Or the number of times where maybe it's reading Conway stories or reading all the JLA stories, but, like the number of stories where there's like an emergency happening in six parts of the world at once, 
and everyone mm-hmm. has to split yes. up and go to yes. those individual parts, yes. right? Yes. And and for whatever reason, while reading it, I was like, oh, he he doesn't really do this this often in his Marvel work. You know, he's writing the Avengers, and it doesn't it doesn't really happen when Conway's doing the Avengers. Like when Engelhart when Engelhart's doing it in the Avengers, it's literally during the Avengers Defenders War, which is mm-hmm. in his weird way a tribute to the JLA stories. Yes. So uh, but that's just it. Like Conway's doing it in Justice League because Gardner Fox did it. Mm-hmm. Just, right? Mm-hmm. It's a Justice League tradition. Right. Yes. It's, that's that's yeah. why. Like he's writing a Justice League story. Right. Right. And me being like, oh wow, so this is this is it's so weird to me, like this is this is the trope. Like this is what you dig when you're when you're doing a DC like Justice League story. Or again, even some of these because one of the things that they pointed out Greenberger points out in the introduction is the other team up books at the time, uh Brave and the Bold and I think World's Finest didn't really have issue to issue continuity at that particular point, you know, particularly with Bob Haney. So one of the big innovations that Conway was bringing to Super Team Family was telling a longer story through a set of interlocking team-ups, which of course is, you know, Marvel Team-Up 101 in a way. But because it hadn't been done, they feel like they're, they're you know, it's a quote-unquote innovation, even while it's still all these weird DC things you know yeah so yeah it it was it was weird it was again not great but um but i was reading it among other things and i will probably come back to it um i mean it's here's the thing it's not going to be great right right? again i love those comics i Mm -hmm. do there's something about them that i genuinely find pleasure in Mm -hmm. but I would never argue that they're great comics. Right. Because they're genuinely not. Mm-hmm. They're they're enjoyable for me. They're loved by me because honestly, they don't work more often than they do. Mhm. Mhm. Right. So you sort of love you love them not despite their flaws, but for their flaws. Yes, exactly. Right. The reason I love them is the flaw. Right. Right. That makes sense. Uh, Yeah, I've been doing a lot of that. And there's times where I hit pay dirt. I read the entire, also through Hoopla, because you told me to, Adventures of Superman, Jose Garcia, Luis Garcia Lopez, Volume 2. And of course, you did not tell me to. And I read that because (laughs) I love Garcia Lopez. But um, it was interesting reading some of those comics where they're like, it starts off with two um, amazing, well, one genuinely amazing Bob Haney story illustrated by Garcia Lopez. One amazing title slash pitch that sort of feels like it was cut off mid story. Some very Denny O'Neill Superman stories, which show that as Denny O'Neill has always tested, he never should have been working on Superman. A strangely satisfying, although ineptly, genuinely ineptly told Superman Joker in Hollywood crossover written by Martin. Oh yeah. Which is, has some great parts to it. And is also just like, I mean like a thick slice of cheese 
And with some weirdo storytelling errors, like, wait, who got confused here? Was this Pasco or Garcia Lopez? And then a bunch of Elseworld stuff. In- yes, that's that's the weird thing about that book because I saw that in Hoopla and I was like, ooh, that could be good. And then I was like, half of this book is like Elseworld shit. Yeah, but you know what's weird? I have to say there's not one, but there's two two else. It's the Elseworlds and a Real Worlds that is written by Steve Vance. Um mm-hmm. In and they and there's also the Dave Gibbons Cal, which is you know Superman landing back in the time of nights and high adventure, which is really weird and depressing. And it's also fascinating how much it it and the Superman. What if Superman um, essentially ended up in the foster care system? Uh, is real worlds. Both are strangely very downbeat and uh, strangely similar to each other, but the the real world's adventure of super the uh, the mark of Superman that Steve Vance writes it's 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 kind of interesting stuff. Like I'm not sure whether it's like I think it's good, but it's so wildly off brand. Of course, it helps that it looks beautiful. But like the Mark of Superman, I don't know if you read it, is literally a story set like back in the 50s in which, um, you know, a, 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 a group of juvenile delinquents takes a kind of poor spindly uh, shopkeeper's assistant kid who's in love with the same girl who looks like Lois Lane and they tattoo the superman s on his chest and how his entire life changes as a result of that um is it's a it's a weird it's a it's it's genuinely weird and it's us both a genuinely different step from dave gibbons you know what if superman but knights in armor you know kind of thing that the that the Elseworlds sort of did. So also a lot of not great comics, but at the same time, like again, that Superman Joker one, which was both bad and way better than I expected, was kind mm-hmm. of strangely strangely satisfying. There is something weird about I love DC Silver Age comics, as you know, and because yeah. they are that kind of they're 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 almost like pop singles from that era they're they're almost cranked out you know um but like on a machine they're very much like all sort of built to a template but the the template works and the people crafting it are good at what they do and it's always weird reading the 70s superman comics where it's like the template's kind of there, but it's kind of not, and the people are or aren't doing it. And of course, you know, it's Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. The thing that's crazy is the last 30 pages of it are, I think, just his Superman covers from the 70s. And, yeah. and it's great. I mean, I'm just like, these are just as enjoyable for me. It's like, oh, he, what? You know, that's just it. Like, first of all, he was an amazing cover artist. He still is an amazing cover Absolutely. artist. Absolutely. Uh, but also, like, 
the Superman covers of the 70s and, and early 80s are fucking great in yeah. and of themselves. Right. As we talked about also recently. Yeah. But they completely are. Like I was just looking um, – uh, uh, listeners, when I was putting together the last episode, Graham had mentioned the Superman cover that had uh, um, just managed to ensnare uh, the kid in the house. And we were talking about how great they were. And I was trying to find it. And I actually texted Graham. And I'm like, what issue is it? Ah! And I kept looking. I was like, Superman, 70s. And I tried the descriptions. And then eventually, I was just looking through comic book databases. And I never found it. But I was like, oh, this is a great cover. Oh, that's a great cover. Oh, that's a great cover. And some of them are. They are Garcia Lopez. Like, that Supermobile cover is great. There's two of them because it's a two-part story or whatever. But that first one where it's got the robot arm punching a mezo or whatever, I'm like, God, put just just put that in my veins right now. You know, like that is the best. Uh, Graham, can I talk about something? I, I, I don't. We've both had hard weeks, and frankly, a part of the fun of. Uh, me accusing you of making me do all these things that I didn't like is that you didn't do them. Yes. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. Well, it's not like you turned around and you told me to read Strange Adventures number one. Interestingly enough... I I 100% Well, you didn't, but didn't you write the blurb in the Hollywood Reporter newsletter that said, read this? I did. So, technically, you did, but... You know, okay. not to me specifically. And for what it's worth... But here's the thing, yeah. I did tell you, I honestly think I did do it on the, the podcast, but maybe I didn't. I did tell you that I read it and I liked it. Yes. Yeah, you did. And I think. And Hibbs also said he really liked it. So I picked it up. I picked it up. And I have to say, I really did not like it. So, so, so tell me what I'm doing wrong. I mean, is it that I'm not Tell appreciating me. the Tell art good enough? Uh, enough because uh, the art's first great. Of all, if you're not appreciating the art, then you're not pre- appreciating the art good enough because I think it's a, I, I think it's an amazing looking comic. Yeah, it absolutely is. It I, absolutely I think it really is. is 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 fucking stunning looking. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, I think that um, Shaner and Garad's mix far better than I expected. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought I'd see a much greater like disconnect, and I think they actually do play really well together. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's a, I think it's a great looking comic. What are you doing wrong? I don't know. Like maybe you just don't like it. It's it's uh, what I like about it mm-hmm. is that I think that it is doing much the same as Mister Miracle insofar as the you know there is the platonic ideal of the character, and mm-hmm. then there is essentially a mundane layer on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the tension between the two is, in theory, part of the appeal of the story. And I think that's true of Mr. Miracle and of Strange Adventures. But what I also like about Strange Adventures is, A, it is very much it's Tom King doing automatic writing again and clearly writing about getting uh, criticism for Here's in Crisis. Right. And I think dealing with criticism for the first time, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest. Uh but also the there's uh, I I hesitate to say murder mystery aspect to it, mm-hmm. but the the addition of that plot 
and the addition at the end of the first issue of Mr. Terrific as essentially a detective who is A, going to solve the murder, but B, clearly there to interrogate the myth of Adam Strange. And Adam Strange self-mythologizing, I think, is... is, is uh, feels like a step away from just doing Mr. Miracle again, mm-hmm. but also arguably, depending on where it goes, a step towards something that is more self-aware than Mr. Miracle, and honestly more self-aware than most of Tom King's writing. Mm-hmm. So... Why do you think that that... Why do you think Mr. Terrific will lead to that? Or is it the idea that he has someone who's inquiring or challenging the character yes, at the it end is of the, the first idea issue. That there is a, it is the idea that there is an outsider mm-hmm. whose presence is, uh, unlike in Mr. Miracle, where basically everyone in Mr. Miracle is supportive of Scott. Mm-hmm. And unlike in the rest of Strange Adventures, where Alana is clearly supportive of Adam, mm-hmm. you have someone there whose entire presence is to not be supportive. Mm-hmm. But instead to be inquisitive and instead to to ask the questions that King and I presume the readers are supposed to be asking. But in being in the story, uh, we'll therefore push it further because the story will have to respond to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I... But, but, but like, what didn't work for you? Like, well, did, it, did it just feel too much like Mister Miracle, but without uh, as so much of a connection to the character for you? No, no. I think I think what helps for me about Mister Miracle. What, so, I think what 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 I liked about Mister Miracle, and one of the things that I found um, that I did not like about Strange Adventures is is that it is. Uh, unsubtle to the point of being for me inept. Like one of the things I liked about Mister Miracle is the way in which the separation between the two worlds of of Mister of Scott and Barda's world, like the apocalypse world and the real life world like sort of comment on each other and there is elements of humor and ridiculousness, mm-hmm. you know, in, in them, it's sort of in each, like they're, yes. they're literally. And in, and in the interrelation. Yes. But the, the fact that whenever you slip into Shaner's art and, you know, strange adam strange on rand that because king is writing it as a parody of silver age dialogue because literally every time the the laser gun goes off it goes pew pew um it feels uh it feels straw man-ish interestingly enough it is it is a shame because it just is going to sound like tit for tat but it actually feels more to me like uh kind of like what you were sort of suggesting about the tempest with alan moore it actually feels like king kind of churlishly 
inquiring into that idea of receiving criticism and the gap between, you know, either storyteller in the story or literally between the stories that we tell ourselves about war and heroism. But because he makes it so, so ridiculous and so unable, like you can't mistake the Shaner sequences as anything that literally happened because of that level of, you know, the way that he has Adam Strange talk and the way that they oversell the the melodrama in a way that's even a step above the way the original comics did it strikes me it struck me as like again it's either like not deft and therefore i don't find it particularly funny or it strikes me as as a little churlish a little straw man ish like i just got the sense that all of this was going to be, and maybe I could end up being wrong because it is really just the first issue of it, but I put it down and I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. Now I am aware that at a certain point, I very much lost uh, a lot of faith uh, in Tom King as a writer and as, I guess maybe whatever my own imaginary self-image, my self-image, that could really be, I guess, illustrative. The imaginary overlay that I put on who Tom King is, despite having never known him, talked to him, et cetera, just having read his work and maybe an interview or two, there was something where I kind of read Strange Adventures number one. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I literally don't trust this guy. I do not trust this story that it's telling. It feels like it's in bad faith right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So, um, which is a shame because it looks beautiful. And again, people seem into it. And honestly, like there's probably, you know, I mean, good old America, it's always a good time to look at the way our myths are told to us, particularly ones relating to military stories. But I was just like, yeah, I don't, it doesn't, I don't, I don't, it just didn't. So that's, that's where, that's where, that's where, and that's why. So. See, for me, I think the, uh, I'm, I'm being more, far kinder towards King. Mm-hmm. And this, what I'm about to say, does not sound like I'm going to be kinder, but it's, I think it is going to be interesting even if King is telling the story in bad faith, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it does. There, I mean, there's, it does. there's something. I think. I think there's going. To, I think it's going to be interesting and honestly, arguably more telling if he's telling the story in bad faith. But I also think that he is a writer for better or worse, and I suspect the answer may be worse who uh cannot fake that i think he he writes to he doesn't do the second draft Mm. or he doesn't do the you know 
Ant's draft, whatever, mm-hmm. where he is able to hide his his intent enough. Mm. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like one, I think I think we talked about this, and it's particularly about his Batman. Mm-hmm. There comes a part where, like, it's very clear, like he can't hide the subtext, right? Do you know what I mean? Like he just can't. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. he he's writing, and it, it's like it, that's clear in the first issue of this. Like I said, he's clearly writing about people not liking Heroes in Crisis. Mm. You know, well, like a lot of a lot of the people being like amazingly vitriolic in their response to not liking his book on a book tour. Don't you think that it has a lot to do with people not liking him? Like honestly, yeah, no, but that's what that's what I mean. Not I, not I, just I heroes in crisis, but very specifically his thing. And this is the other thing where things get weird is it definitely his from what it sounds like his impetus all but inspiration literally did come out of Abbe's uh, little piece asking the CIA if this guy is who he says he was, and other people saying like. He is a war criminal, you know, and the fact that he's a, a, you know, you've got Adam Strange at a book signing being like, hey, how are you? And the person being like, you're a dirty, you're a war criminal, you're a war criminal. Like a part of me was like, "Okay, I should dig how much on the nose it is. And if the rest of the if the if the story within the story had been a little more something different i think it would have been a bit easier for me to be like oh okay but as it is it was kind of a it 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 like i said you're right i don't think i don't know so much about heroes in crisis but there is a little bit of it's like a you're not who you say you are and i agree that king you know king was like that's kind of a great jumping off point for a thriller for a story like wouldn't that be um, cool and he cannot but also he cannot disguise it Right, mm-hmm. so uh, part of it is, I think I think this is going to be interesting. No matter, I was going to say no matter where it goes, that's not true. I do remember Heroes in Crisis. Um, <laughs> true, <laughs> or, or for that matter, his Batman, which I, I also think like ended really poorly as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting enough, mm-hmm. um, no matter what. Mm-hmm. In part because he can't do that final draft hmm. do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. even like imagine like imagine the worst case scenario right tom king is trying like a, a, a like a psyops thing with this comic mm-hmm. i say this as a tom king fan i don't think he'll succeed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think his attempt to do that will be fascinating for all the wrong reasons, but doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be bad. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see your point. Right. Um, right. And I but think... But at the same time, I, yeah. have, like, I, have, I, I think what you're saying is, is utterly valid. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes down to how willing... How much rope are you willing to give Tom King? Right, right. Right? Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to give him more rope than you are. Right. Yeah, I think that is true. I'm definitely willing to give him the hoopla rope, if you know what I mean. But yeah, exactly. You're you're willing. But again, bear in mind, like 
I'm reading them as fucking PDFs that DC sent out. Sure. So right. like, you know, you're willing to give them the hoopla rope. I'm willing to give them the every month I'll get a PDF that I'm not paying money for a rope. Right, right. Which, so again, it's basically the same rope. More or less. Yeah, yours is just a lot. Yeah, you, you get a lot Mine's faster. faster. Yeah, a lot yeah. faster. Yeah. Well, okay. That's that's good to know. Um, I, like, honestly, if I was paying $6 an issue... I I don't think I'd give them a lot of rope at all. Well, see, that's it. I think I paid thanks to my Comicsology discount. I think I paid four fifty or something like that because I think the first issue but, was but again, five dollars or so. four ninety nine. But yeah, yeah no, but like, no, no, no. I get it. So right, no, like if you exactly. paid six dollars or five dollars an issue, yeah, I think understandably rope is like like yeah, very pretty shocked. taut. Yeah, exactly. You know, like I'll give a couple of issues, and if it's not impressing me, why would I pay like fifteen dollars for something I don't like? Yep. That is the question, Graham. That is that is that is the thousand dollar question. Bah, bah, bah. Do you do you have other things? Uh, if you have further Tom Kingnesses to talk about, um, I really don't. That, I, okay. I, like I, I mean, he's not doing anything else right now, is he? I don't. I I literally have no idea. I just meant or further Strange Adventures points. Um, uh, no, like, like I said, like I, 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 I enjoyed it. I can see why you do not. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I think honestly, a lot of where, I, where I'm willing to give it more space than you are is I think it does feel like an evolution Sure. from Mr. Miracle. And like I said, like if he is like this, you know, utterly shady character that people like to think he is, and he's trying to say helps. Like, I don't think he can do it because I don't think that's the type of writer he is. I think literally, if that's what he was doing at some point, Adam Strange would fucking turn to the reader and go, "I'm trying this thing to try and redeem myself and make everyone believe in the military-industrial complex." Because mm-hmm. I think that Tom King cannot, cannot disguise his intent. Mm. And honestly, that's one of the more interesting things about his writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess what I mean is, is, and I see your point. I, I'm not going all the way over to, yeah, he's running a No, no, I know. But no, 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 no saying, I know. I'm but saying, I see your point. If you take right. it to, like, because yeah. there are people out there who are like, he's a war criminal and he's trying to brainwash people with the CIA comics, which is utterly ludicrous. <laughs> like, utter. No, but it is. Because again, even if he was, have you read a Tom King comic? Like, he can't brainwash anyone with anything. What is he going to brainwash people with? Mm, maybe people should, like, be in dysfunctional but ultimately well-meaning relationships with their spouses. Like, <laughs> like what the fuck is he – like, right. no, it's, it's insane. But, I, yeah, I, I just – I feel there's, a, the, there's literally a veneer there mm-hmm. that he can't – that he just doesn't have mm-hmm. that he just he's he's unable to have arguably would love to have mm-hmm. but i think that i think it just doesn't exist for him mm-hmm. yeah i and i think for me i would roll it back several steps which is you know at this point a lot of what i a lot of my complaints weirdly enough feel very summarized in or my worst case scenario is very summarized in in what you uh, said sp- said very well about the tempest, and it'll be interesting to see if that's just again, you know, 
the the lack of generosity being like, oh yeah, he seems like he's owning his shit, but it actually just seems like someone who's pretending to own their shit so people won't accuse him of not owning their shit, you know. Which is yeah. Again, what's, what's funny is like I again I don't think Tom King does own his shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I like is that not part of his shit in a weird way? Is not is not being able to own his shit. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. When I say his shit, uh, I think part of Tom King's persona slash reality mm-hmm. is that because he is he is simultaneously a writer whose all of his books are about him, mm-hmm. who is also shockingly unself aware uh, in how he presents himself. <laughs> Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and so yeah, it just that, or he's like so self-aware that it's a double bluff. <laughs> um, but again, I, you know, Ockram Fraser says to me that it's it's the the former is more likely than the latter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I, I think that uh, that makes sense, and I think it also that that part of what might make that equation work really well for you is having literally encountered him in person, you know what I mean? Because I feel, because as someone who's encountered him via the realm of Twitter and interviews, I think that he is slightly better at prevaricating or suggesting that he's doing something, that he's not doing something that he actually is. You know what I mean? Whereas your thing is, is like, but yeah, if you clearly talk to him or if you clearly, and it's true, it sounds to me like, for example, I've missed a few very crucial pieces of Tom King's presentation to the media, such as that, um, that podcast process interview, you know, Mm -hmm. where it very, where sort of the depths of his ambition became very, very obvious you know Mm -hmm. and and so they're they're anyway it's 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 a thing ladies and gentlemen it's a thing i i um i appreciate you talking it through i am very impressed with us um you know that 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 it i think this is absolutely the most pleasant tom king disagreement that we have had in some time you know, we're either on I, the same page with him, like on I think on Mister Miracle, or mm-hmm. you know, the, although even then, like Mister Miracle at the end, you were uh, you you it let you down. I feel that is true, and you, it worked for you, and it did, and it it worked for me very much. Yeah, right. And weirdly, I was a little more down with the last issue of Batman than you were, which yes, was yeah, strange. Exactly, yeah. That was really odd. So yeah, well, anyway. especially considering like you were not down with the issues of Batman before that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I mean, it's weird. I'm still trying to figure out what quite what was going on there. If that was just the whole like, oh, thank God I'm free from prison. I I love Tom King. Thank you for releasing me from buying Batman anymore. But no, I remember things like, oh, I see what he's doing there. No, that's actually I think that's kind of I think that is kind of clever. But mm. ah, uh you know, I still have not seen Birds of Prey, but you did. And I don't know yes. if we ever talked about it on air, 
but I'm also aware we have about two or three minutes, and I don't know <laughs> if that's well, if that's enough time or too much time to talk about Birds of Prey. Here's the fun thing. Uh-huh. I genuinely don't really remember a lot of Birds of Prey. And I, I don't mean that in the sense of like, oh, I'm like, it's completely forgettable. Mm-hmm. I mean it in the sense of I remember liking it. I remember mm-hmm. being impressed with a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But if you ask me to pick it apart, I like I I wouldn't be able to do so now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like I passed my 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 mental cell by date with that. Right. And when did you see it? I mean, just so that uh, like opening weekend. So oh, okay. All right. Like when was that? The middle of February. I mean, that's the thing. I don't think it was that long. It may have been less than a month, but it feels like three years ago. Which again. With all due respect to Birds of Prey, um, it was your memory, right? So, and today is literally the seventh, so it's it's pretty close to a month ago, yeah. And and to me, it feels as if it could have been four months ago. So that's kind of a weird. But again, can't blame that on Birds of Prey as much as again the hellscape that I feel like we are we are currently inhabiting. And you know what, Graham? I just want to say, I love you. You are great. You're my best friend, and I love talking to you. And I, oh, I don't want you. To, I just don't want you to feel bad when I was Mister Like. And then you made me do this. And why <laughs> did I watch this? Like, it's been a tough week. You are recovering from many things in a lot of ways, and it can be a lot on your psyche to take responsibility for for all your bad decisions. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But I don't want I, them. I, I don't want to own up to them. <laughs> the, like I got the blame for everything. I know. And for like for the first one for the DC Universe one, I was like, I can kind of see it. But then there's <laughs> ones where it's just like didn't even fucking mention that. The funny thing is, when you said Strange Adventures, I genuinely thought you were talking about Strange Academy, the Marvel book. Oh God, no! And right. I was like, I've not even fucking read that. What are you talking about? No, no, no! And I didn't even go into After School Bitchcraft Volume One, which uh, I'll have to talk about the next time we have uh, a wait. What? Which I literally was like, oh my God! There's a manga called After School Bitchcraft, and I did the I put the kombucha face gif on my Twitter feed. I and, saw that, and a bunch I of people, yeah, and a bunch of people were like, um, that's what we listen to wait for, and I was like. <laughs> So I did. I got it and read of it. Of course, you did. yeah. Of course, I did. And I have to say, I enjoyed it a lot more than Strange Adventures number one. <laughs> but I'll have to save that for another time. Jeff Lester, Graham McMillan, hi, Arama. So let's, yes. let's wrap this motherfucker up. Indeed, we've done two hours. An hour of which is just us talking about sickness. <laughs> I will have everyone convinced I have the coronavirus. Which I like again. I don't think I do, but let's like nonetheless. I'm fucking staying inside and I'm washing my hands like a motherfucker. You know what? Honestly, I do. The thing that I was not expecting to walk out of this episode was being half convinced that I had the coronavirus, and it's really going to be news to Edie when I walk out of here today and tell her. She'll be like, "No," and I'm like, "No, listen." She'll be like, mm. I'm like, and you probably have it too. And that's the great thing about hysteria. It really, it spreads. It spreads just like the coronavirus, maybe faster, depending on who you talk to. I've been, I've been talking to the president of the United States, and he's told me that in April, it's going to get warm 
and everything's going to be fine. So, so there you go. <laughs> Jesus. Like, that's, that's great. Oh, wow. What, what, could, what could go wrong? Indeed. Absolutely indeed. On and- that bombshell. <laughs> We are going to be taking a skip week next week. Yes, uh, which was going to be the, the skip week because I was going to be at Emerald City and, and I'm not. But we're still taking it. Yep. Uh, so, so that we um, can. Sorry, everyone. Sa- but that's because mm-hmm. it gives us more time to read Judge Dredd. Yes. Because the next episode in two weeks is a drop, everyone. Yes. We're doing Complete Case Files 13. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's leading up to, to stuff. But we're also going to do. Yes. Which we didn't say in the last rock, but we're saying now. Um, the Dead Man as well. Yes. Which ran at the same time as the final episodes of in the, the case files. Right. And I am really excited for you to read that, Jeff. I am too. Really excited for you to read that. Now, I wanted to ask you, Graham, since you are familiar with the material, yes. would you be down for essentially for those of us, which is to say me and the listeners – who end up with the case files and with the Dead Man collection, maybe posting on the Tumblr a suggested reading order? You know? I can tell you right now. Mm. You should read mm-hmm. Case Files 13, Dead Man, and then Case Files 14. Oh, gosh. That's a it's, lot that's of material. The, oh, okay. All right. Oh, so, no, no. Like for, Nets, for the next talk, it's we'll literally do Case Files 13, 13 and then and follow then, that with Dead Man. Okay. Yeah. Great. Like, That's what I'll do. Actually, to think because Dead Man ran at the same time as the final episodes of Case Files Thirteen. Okay, great. Okay, perfect. So literally, Case Files Thirteen, then Dead Man. Got it. Okay. Especially because Dead Man ends with a cliffhanger mm-hmm. that is picked up by the first page of Case Files Fourteen. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. All right. Good, good, good. Well, that's what we'll be doing. Uh, so it's, it's very, it's actually very straightforward. It's, mm-hmm. it's thir- Case Files 13, then Dead Man. Yeah. Okay. 13, Dead Man. Th- that's in two weeks, everyone. Two weeks. That's in two weeks. You have two weeks yep. to um, to do that. Also, I believe that uh, the 2080 website is currently doing like a, a sale on Case Files. That's right. Um. So go and buy some. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're great. They really are. They are, and it will make keeping up with us. In fact, um, one of our listeners, I think it might be someone currently going by the Twitter tag Benjamino, which might be KOGTB, I'm not sure, uh, said, um, hey, you guys, like they're having a sale on the case files. You might want to mention it to your listeners so that they can uh, they can like make it less expensive to keep up with us. And I did retweet that tweet uh, on the Wait What? Uh, Twitter feed, and of course, people are hearing it now. Do you know how long the sale goes on for, Graham? Because it would suck if it ends I'm on. I'm literally going to look right now. It'd be great if it and ends yeah, like exactly before I post this episode. So. Like, hey, everyone! In which case, you all missed it. <laughs> um, on sale. Let's see if it has any. Dum dum dum. No, it doesn't actually give any any. Okay, well, hopefully it will still be there by the uh, time this. Like, but it is. Goes. It's fifty percent off the case files right now. Wow, which is, that's great. Fifty percent off digitally. Let's see, because I know they did the. 
Um, do, 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 nope. Do, do, do. Yep, Didn't mention it in the I, I had, I, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I know they did it in the um, mailing that they did this week, but I right. think I might have actually deleted that. Oh, email. I think I might have that, though, because I don't delete anything. Why did, what? Okay. It says, 50% off, buy now, sale until 10th of March. 10th of March is genuinely uh what monday uh no it's tuesday. actually it's actually tuesday yeah yes. or so, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Uh, before tuesday everyone that's right 50 percent off yep. uh is it boy is it just 50 percent off the yeah, it is it's 50 percent off print or digital yeah which is great that's good which price. which is really good yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. People take advantage of that because that's a really good sale. Yep. Because that means you can get uh, like 400 pages just read for five dollars, which is great. Which is yeah. Which seriously, everyone, that's that's a really good deal. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Uh, yeah, and you have until the tenth. Right. So go nuts. Go nutso. Uh, great. Well, so that's that's our hype for next episode and the 2000 AD sale. Graham, do you want to um, do our usual closing comments? I do. I want to tell everyone that there will be show notes up for this episode by the time you hear it, because Jeff is on top of his shit, ladies and gentlemen. Not like me. Jeff is on top of his shit. <laughs> that, those show notes are going to be on waywattpodcast.com. While you're not doing that and you're doing other things, you can remember waitwatpod.tumblr.com and uh, instagram.com forward slash waitwatpod. I say that like I put anything on the Instagram anytime recently. I've not, but one of these days I will. And anyway, like I said, like 14 people follow it. So go and follow it and discover all the fun things anyway. And then I'll put new things on when you least expect it. And you'll go, ah! And it'll be a fun, <laughs> exciting surprise. When but, I mean, who doesn't want something like that? Let's be honest. I, I, that's I got to admit, Graham, you, all be you managed to convey surprise with that scream, but I'm not sure about fun or excitement. It did have a certain... Uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know you know what I'm saying. You like work with me here. Um, there's also a Twitter account, at Wait What Podcast. Jeff has a Twitter account, at Lazy Bassett, at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. I have a Twitter account at Graham M at G R A E M E M, and uh, we are a Patreon supported podcast, which means Jeff is about to step forward into the spotlight of audio and say the following words. You know, it, I it's a shame that I'm too lazy. Otherwise, I would totally put Linus's speech from a Charlie Brown Christmas right there because you know how he literally does stop it and is like, "Spotlight, please." And then he starts talking about the meaning of Christmas, like he just reads a section from the Bible. Um, but I'm not going to do that, everyone. Instead, I'm going to talk about how great you guys are, uh, the fact that you managed to keep us surprised and motivated and amused. Like, there was some great comments. I always think there are, but like... It's just a really strong round of, of comments on our last episode that you can find uh, on our at waitwhatpodcast.com under that particular episode. Some really good points. I did not realize that that 007 was the was the, the coded signal of John D that he did while in theory spying for the Queen. So amazing stuff some great some great stuff that readers shared with us that managed to deepen my understanding and and really just a bunch of good eggs uh 
like I said, that manages to keep us um, going and motivated and excited to know that you guys are uh, are are so um, such so what's the word so much sharper than me certainly at this particular hour of the night. Uh, and uh, there's also listeners on Patreon who, on top of managing to motivate us, inspire us, also throw us a little bit of their hard-earned dosh and motivate us in other ways, such as Drock, which is would not exist if we hadn't been trying to hit a dang stretch goal that people were kind enough to give us enough money to hit. And we have that in 50. 50, five zero episodes of the Baxter Building, or sorry, of Baxter Building, I should say, the podcast covering the first 416 issues of the Fantastic Four. You can find that in our archives and listen to all of that. All of that is free and available to everybody, um, thanks to the mighty people in Patreon, including Dominic L. Franco, uh, who is... A, a great fella who has dropped us a couple of emails and is kind enough to throw us a little bit of Megadosh um, along with uh, Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, her continuing support of this podcast, um, as well as everyone else's support, uh, and as well as Dominic's extra special, very uh, enjoyable emailing um, and Dosh support. Uh, manages to keep me ebullient, giddy, and obviously far, far too talkative. We thank you all. Graham? I think all of that was wonderful. Uh, I really, really, really need to respond to Dominic's emails, but I've had a, I've had a week, everyone. I'm, I, I'm apologizing on this podcast to people I haven't written back to an email, which includes a lot of people from my job I haven't written back to an email who I know don't listen to this podcast, but I'm going to convince myself that I've still let them know. <laughs> that's that's the week I've had, and I think everyone can just can just appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Indeed. I certainly did. <laughs> my goodness. Um, we are going to be back in two weeks with Croc, and it's going to be a bally good time for everyone other than Judge Dredd who's going to not have that great a time. Tease! Tease! <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, wait, what? So I have to say this out by going, Bye! Perfect. Wow. The pipes, the pipes on you. 